Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. This is I Hate the Fins, uh, number two. This is our second podcast with the Finsider and the Umbrella with the uh, SB Nation Network. Happy to be a part of it now. Uh, we are actually off last week because uh, I had baby things come up, so I apologize for that. My name is Keith. Uh, as always, I have with me uh, my co-host, Zach, and uh, we'll be joined in a bit by Mike Carpenter, who's co-host of um, Tay and Carp on ESPN CU in Champaign, Illinois. We'll talk about the uh, upcom- upcoming game with the uh, Bears on Sunday. Uh, Zach, just real quick, um, I mean, a lot that went on last Sunday has been addressed online. I feel like we probably don't need to rehash a lot of that. Uh, I'm just going to ask a couple of simple questions. You can you can give me yes or no answers. You can go in depth. Is it time to start panicking about Ryan Tannehill as the long-term starter of this team? I mean, no, because what's your other option? Um, so, so there's there's nothing to worry about. And like I, I think everyone's kind of known what Tannehill is up to this point. Um, I, I still like Tannehill. Um, but those those turnovers were on him. You got to know when to eat those sacks. And a few years in the league, um, you got to pull those bad boys down. And and at that point, like if they lose because you know they give up sacks um, and the defense can't hold at that point, you know you just can't throw those bonehead picks and have those bad turnovers and let it squarely fall fall on your shoulders. But you know there's there's no need to panic. I mean, because there's no other option either. That's a really good point. Uh, you already see people talking about next year's draft, which is quite top heavy. If you're looking for a franchise quarterback, that can always change between now and um, this next spring. It seems to happen every year. Uh, I felt like that was a game the Dolphins needed to have in that. I mean, it's one thing to get go up to Foxborough and get blown away. I mean, you you haven't won up there since 2008. You typically suck when you go to New England. I mean, that part's fine. The follow-up game is supposed to be the bounce-back game. You go up 17 nothing. You're on the road. Uh, you're looking really good. And then all of a sudden, it's just these miscues that are just turning into points uh, for Cincinnati on the defensive side of the ball. So I thought that was a bit crippling. I think that some loss creeps in there. I don't think the season's lost by a stretch. I think like you saw Jacksonville laid an absolute egg in uh, an arrowhead last weekend. Um, there's a, I mean, and suddenly the jets looked really good. I mean, they pounded Denver. So, um, I mean, I don't think it's panicked panic time per se. Um, I think that Miami's going to have to figure it out pretty quick here because I mean, the schedule is going to get 
I mean, pretty icy as they go through the next few games. Uh, suddenly, we we were laughing at Buffalo. Buffalo just beat Tennessee. I mean, there's a lot of parody going on right now. A lot of things we need to figure out. Um, what's going to happen with Laramie Tunsil? Uh, all of a sudden, injuries are just piling up for this team. I think Rashad, I read that Rashad Jones has a torn labrum now. He plans to play through it. Uh, they're just piling up. If I mean, if they're not on IR. I mean, they are banged up seriously. Uh, I don't think it's time to wave the white flag, though. I think that, I mean, you're still 3-2 and two right now, uh, which leads to this weekend, Sunday. I mean, after that somewhat brutal two-game stretch on the road, Miami comes home. They get the Bears, who really should be 4-0. and um, We're going to go ahead and we're going to bring back our old friend now, Mike Carpenter. Like I mentioned, he's the co-host of uh, uh, Tay and Carp, ESPNCU, Champaign, Illinois. Mike, how you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Good, good to have you back. You were a yeah. friend of uh, the old program when we were the Finsider Radio. That's right. And that was, gosh, was it just last year or a couple years ago that we would have talked last? I think it was 2016 was the last time we had okay. you on the program. I think that's right, yeah. But like we were bringing you out at the time. Um, yeah, because it was the whole thing when Peyton Manning won his last Super Bowl and <laughs> you had all those hot takes. That was great. That just lit up my Twitter feed for days. I'll never forget it. Oh, God. Oh. Uh, now that you remind me. So Chicago comes in. Three and one, uh, a performance at Soldier Field uh, in week four that, I mean, you haven't seen an offensive explosion like that from Chicago since the late 1940s. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, we'll talk, we'll talk about that. And, I mean, we'll just get to Khalil Mack right off the bat. Um, I already thought that my, or I mean, I'm so used to talking about the Dolphins. But I already thought that Chicago was probably going to be a nine and seven. I thought they were going to be vastly improved from last season. I like Matt Nagy as a head coach. Um, and then the Cleo Mack deal over Labor Day weekend, and suddenly, I mean, it looks like you could run away with the NFC North at any at any moment. I mean, the other teams are struggling. I mean, you, we watched that absolute circus that went down in Detroit last Sunday. Uh, you, it seems like you're not going to really know what Minnesota team you're getting. Cleo Mack. In my opinion, already, I'm easily the defensive player of the year right now. Um, I think that he will be the defensive player of the year. He's my runner-up right now for MVP, actually. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's pretty spot on if you look at the impact that he's had. So he comes in. But the one thing I'm kind of surprised with this team is I'm expecting more from like Leonard Floyd, who already is supposed to be a premier pass rush for, for these guys. And you saw Akeem Hicks kind of start to come on the last game. Uh, is Are these guys like getting closer to a point because i mean let's be honest nobody's game planning for those guys right now no i mean i think one of the biggest impacts lomac has had is that just what you said right there i mean you have to game plan specifically for him and that doesn't take into account the other 10 guys on that defense that you know many of them impact defenders and before the Mac trade i would have told you that the bears had the potential to be probably a top 10 defense um bringing vic fangio back and most of those playmakers from last year on what was a pretty good NFL defense. I thought that natural improvement would give them an opportunity to win between seven and nine games. And I felt like seven, or I felt like nine, I should say, was maybe best case scenario going off of the inexperience on the offensive side of the ball. And then you get Khalil Mack and you watch the first half of the Packers game and think, oh my God, like, I mean, the, the impact alone, you're now look, maybe raising that ceiling to 10 wins maybe 11, and then the second half happens. But I think the, the key takeaway with 
what this team has done is how they've responded since, because that could have been a really devastating game. And I think they were fortunate enough to get an extra day off because they played the next Monday night against Seattle. There had to have been a bit of a hangover with that. But uh, then when you see the defense do the same exact thing to Russell Wilson, um, to find that they were able to come back after giving up two garbage touchdowns to Arizona on, on blown coverages and then shut them down the rest of the game. And then to take a Tampa Bay offense that at least the passing side of it had been pretty remarkable the first three weeks of the season and then looked pedestrian, even bad. So uh, I think it's the way they've responded. And I think everything I've heard about Khalil Mack, not just on the field, but as a locker room presence, makes me think this is the kind of acquisition that when people point towards Reggie White in the mid-90s and what he did with the Packers, that that is not hyperbolic to say, well, this could have the same sort of thing for the Bears. That's what we've seen so far, at least. That's a great comparison to the Reggie White one. And I'm old enough to remember when that happened because players of that caliber shouldn't be on the open market. No. You know, so, I mean, when I mean, Chicago, I mean, you got to give Ryan Pace a ton of credit, in my opinion, because, I mean, they were one of the few teams that with the talent, I mean, they're young. They're not really paying um, vets at the expensive positions right now. You obviously have Mitchell Trubisky on the second year of what will I mean, what is a five year deal? I mean, unless something insane happens. Yeah. So, I mean, they had the cap space they made it happen. Um, and then before we get to the offense, uh, can you talk about Roquan Smith a little bit? I was a little surprised that first game. I get the, you know, the holdout and everything leading up to, you know, miss some valuable time in a uh, camp uh, and, you know, at the beginning of the preseason. Uh, he comes in, he gets a sack on his first play in Green Bay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he, didn't he only play like eight snaps? Uh, I, I can't give you the exact snap count number. I know they were kind of easing him in, and I get that to an extent. Uh, he's been kind of forgotten about the fact that you have this rookie linebacker that is making an impact on what was already a strong defense. So, uh, you know, the Khalil Mack thing would overshadow basically anything else on that defense, including Akeem Hicks, who fortunately enough for the Bears did not get suspended for a game and will play against the Dolphins. He's probably been the second biggest guy uh, for them. But Roquan Smith has been really impressive and, uh, you know, is not playing like a rookie, which sounds like a cliche, but he he does have this sort of, um, I don't know, intelligence out there that you don't necessarily see from linebackers. I think a lot of that is probably due to the fact that between Mac and then the front three, and uh, then you can throw Leonard Floyd in there, and I think he will get better as the season progresses and he comes back to full health, that he has a lot of help out there to let him just kind of you know, roam the field and do his job and not have to shed as many blocks as he would for some sort of average NFL defense. So he's the beneficiary of a lot of good guys in front of him. But at the same time, I think he's making the most of it. And uh, that's encouraging to see Ryan Pace, who early on, some of those draft picks were not hitting. Kevin White being the first, right? Um, and I, I think that now, as you look at this track record over the last couple of drafts, you're feeling a little bit better about the direction of pace as a drafter. The irony of uh, Roquan Smith is that in college, he was running Georgia's, you know, three, four scheme, which is run by right. Mel, Mel Tucker, you know, which is, I mean, <laughs> don't there, remind so me, don't remind me. I know, I know, I know there's so much irony in that, but I mean, like he was running like what, it, what equates to like a pro level scheme at yes. Georgia. So, yeah, and I mean, it, like, go ahead. Well, it's, tr it's translated well. Yeah, it has translated well. And that was one of those picks that, I can go back to the Shea McClellan thing, not to bring up past nightmares, but I can go back to that and remember that draft night thinking, oh, that's a reach. And then when they got Roquan Smith thinking, you know, 
that to me, when you say a safe pick, that almost makes it sound like, well, you got an above average players. They aren't going to suck, but they aren't going to be great. I say a safe pick in that he seemed to check every box that the Bears defense needed from that position, from the kind of system he played in. And so far, so good. I'm pretty encouraged by what I've seen so far. Well, I mean, to just add to that before we get to the, the offense side of the ball, um, in, especially in the NFC North with, I mean, so much talented quarterback play and teams like Green Bay that just absolutely destroy you by, you know, creating space over the middle. A guy like Roquan Smith is just what the doctor ordered. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I mean, like that's like a yeah, that's like your new age linebacker. So, yeah, I heard people call Roquan Smith a safe pick and then you look at it. I mean, he's a, an elite caliber uh, linebacker. I mean, who can do multiple things well. I mean, like, I mean, honestly, like he's not even a perfect fit for that, you know, that interior linebacker role in terms of size, but he, he can do that. I mean, like you can mm-hmm. blitz with him. You saw that. I mean, like he's a he's an absolute weapon for those guys as he continues to develop. Yeah, yet another weapon for that defense, which has plenty of them. And uh, what I also like is just the youth of this defense. It's one of those things that, you know, the NFL with the salary cap issues, that will come to a head at some point. But I, I think that most of the contract situations that they have with those defenders, at least at the core of that defense, they're in pretty good shape. So um, kudos to Ryan Pace for that. I mean, credit where credit's due. And, you know, it kind of goes back to the Roquan Smith thing was a trade, or excuse me, a draft pick that I think just made the most sense, especially given what was out there when the Bears drafted. Uh, the Khalil Mack thing was basically him taking complete and total ownership over this era of Bears football. And, and it's you can't call it a ballsy move because who wouldn't make that trade if they could? But right. at the same time, uh, you are still giving up the you know uh, most valuable commodity in the NFL, what first round picks, right? Uh, two of them. It's it's amazing that when you look back on that trade and think that the Bears actually got a random, I think, third round pick back from Oakland or, or something like that. Two, yeah. And I, I don't know what Oakland was thinking, even if they – I know they knew they were probably not going to keep him. But regardless, uh, you see what they're doing and you see what the Bears are doing. And to say that one player um, could swing the pendulum like that might sound crazy, but not when you watch him perform – um, so it all kind of ties in together. You see Khalil Mack and the impact he's made. It's filtering down to every single level of that defense, including Roquan Smith. And so far, um, I, I'm just encouraged about how seamlessly he has kind of fit in to this whole thing. So I'm just going to give you my impression of the offense through essentially five weeks, I mean, including the bye. And you, just, you tell me if I'm wrong. And then, I mean, how you see this playing out going forward. Um, so early in the, I like Mitch Trubisky a lot. I, I, I think he's an incredible talent. Uh, I actually feel bad for him with the, the Mahomes, uh, parade going on right out there because people talk about like, you know, he shouldn't have been the guy at that spot. But so through the first, we'll say the first three games, I thought that the play calling was too complex. It it just looked like he was thinking too much out there. I mean, people keep going back to, I think it was in green Bay when he just, in the red zone, he looked past like a wide open Trey Burton. When that happens in the red zone, a guy is thinking too much, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So Tampa comes to town week four, and everything is simplified. It's like he's playing fast, and this is a Matt Nagy offense where, I mean, that's what they do. I mean, you're looking to, you're going to create uh, matchup problems. You want to go ahead and uh, create deception by being able to line up out of multiple fronts. And, I mean, you want to play fast. And I thought, right. like, 
it just it is like the light bulb moment for this guy. It's like, I mean, everything came on. I mean, he looked confident. He threw about the ball down. I mean, you're not going to have defensive backs falling down all the time, like on that Burton touchdown. But that I thought that throw in the red zone to uh, Allen Robinson was a dime. Yes. Um, and use, and I think like the secret weapon people kind of overlooked with this team is Taylor Gabriel because he just mm-hmm. absolutely shredded in that game. So, I mean, it's one of those things where things were fairly, um, there's a lot of stuttering going on the first three weeks and then it's gangbusters week four. How do you see this Bears offense coming together and playing the rest of the season? I mean, are you expecting maybe not five touchdowns in the first half? But right, I mean, is, right. I mean, is it go time for these guys? Well, they're going to take their hits still, even even with what they did against Tampa Bay. I, I don't see this being a consistently good offense. I, I hope that come November, December, and the December schedule is interesting because you have Two road games against the 49ers and Vikings to close it out, which early this year would have been, whoa, that's pretty tricky, right? Um, I feel a little bit better about that. But I also feel better about this offense's ability to develop some consistency after what we saw in week four against Tampa Bay. And it really does all hinge down to, you know, can Trubisky, who now I think is 15 or 16 starts in, I I can't remember exactly which, I think 15, um, if he is able to find a happy medium between the Arizona game and the Tampa Bay game. That's all he needs to do is find a medium between the two opposite poles of what we've seen from him so far this year and run a good offense. Not great. It doesn't even have to be a top 15 NFL offense, but there were times in those first three games where you were looking at one of the worst offenses in the NFL after the first drive of the game. They got that part right, but then the second, third, and fourth quarters, they just really stagnated and weren't doing anything. So, the Tampa Bay game was encouraging on a lot of a lot of levels. I think the most encouraging was that, as you kind of mentioned, um, you sort of played to his strengths, which is, okay, he is raw, um, especially compared to Mahomes, who had a lot more college experience than he did. But he does have raw talent, so let him just kind of do the gunslinger thing. Now, the bad gunslinger would be Rex Grossman. Um, and oh, before right. we move away – I know, yeah. And before we move away from – the possibility of Trubisky being Rex Grossman, keep in mind how good Rex Grossman was the first half of that Super Bowl season before he started getting really bad. He was the player of the month, I think, in the NFL, the offensive player of the month in September of that Super Bowl year in 2006. I think about Um, that game against Buffalo, which I think was the game before they played Arizona. And like Mm -hmm. they just went out and they just absolutely skinned uh, the Bills. Yeah. And uh, so when it comes to Trubisky, I... I don't even want greatness. I'm just looking at this team and seeing the makeup. I mean, well, I do want it. I'm just thinking that realistically speaking this year, even with a performance like Tampa Bay, you aren't going to get consistent greatness. But what was scaring me early this year were the bad reads or just refusing to go through progressions. I think you mentioned the complexity that probably had a part of it. Um, So with this bye week, I think the timing sets itself up, up well, where this Miami game does offer him another opportunity First off, he was able to kind of just soak in that confidence for an extra week and not go out there the next Sunday, lay an egg, and then be back to square one. I think for a young quarterback, that's important. And now to follow it up against a pretty good Miami defense, uh, you know, that will be a challenge for him. But this is where Matt Nagy, I think, needs to continue to incorporate the running game, take the pressure off of him, because really the one thing the Spurs offense has done great all year, time of possession. And that plays so well into the hands of the defense where – they only have to be out there about 24 minutes a game so they can tee off. 
um, to continue that and to take uh, the onus a little bit off of Trubisky. You got Jordan Howard. You got Tariq Cohen. Incorporate them more. Incorporate some more simple screen passes. Let your playmakers make the plays. And then occasionally let Trubisky air it out. And that seemed to work against Tampa Bay. A bad defense. Now can it work to a bit lesser of an extent against a good defense like Miami? Uh, a couple of things I just thought. You mentioned Kevin White. Um, oh. I mean, he's made it this far into the season and he's still healthy. But I will, I will give the guy props. Like he is a beast as a downfield blocker. Yeah. And notice that, and which is a big deal he in this is. offense. A big deal in this offense. You think about the the guys that I mean, Andy Reid and I mean by proxy Matt Nagy. They want receivers who are going to be able to to cut guys down. There is that. I mean, I'll give him credit for that. I think when you look at relative to his draft pick, that's where people I think continue to look at it as, ugh, you know, what, what a bummer because he's never really <laughs> even had an opportunity to be an impact wide receiver because of injuries. And at this point, uh, you know, I, I was. I'm still pretty much willing to cut my losses or accept the fact that he's a role player. And then, you know, that's fine with Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel. Uh, that's a pretty good one-two punch there. Trey Burton was one of the more uh, quiet signings of the off season that really, I mean, to get a proven commodity, a tight end like that. Hey, uh, that's, that's a weapon that not every team has. And then the two running backs, you know, you have surrounded Trubisky with talent, not to the level of what Mahomes has with Kansas city. I mean, I'll admit that, but if I look around the rest of the NFC North and think collectively, the skill players, wide receiver, tight end, and running back, uh, I don't know. I mean, the Packers, uh, Devontae Adams, great. Um, don't have, uh, oh gosh, the, the kid who, uh, Jordy Nelson anymore. And then Detroit, uh, Minnesota certainly uh, has a few weapons. But I'm just thinking that it's not as if the Bears have a dearth of talent at the skill position. So, it, the tools are there for him to succeed. The offensive coordinator slash head coach uh, has an identity that he wants this offense to to execute. And I think we saw stepping stones towards that in the Tampa Bay game. And I don't need 45 points a game. Uh, frankly, I think 24 to 27 points a game is going to win you 11 this year. And I think they can do that, especially when you consider a touchdown and those 24, 27 points might be from the defense. Um, I know that Matt Nagy wants to line up his, uh, you know, a guy like Tariq Cohen out of, out of the backfield. Um, I was surprised at how much he was actually using him as a running back. I understand that he's a tweener, uh, yeah. but it's, it seemed like against Tampa, they were, they were really starting to, to flex him out. Mm -hmm. Is that some, is that something that we can expect again on Sunday or is that just, um, I mean, because Tariq Cohen looks great as a receiver, in my opinion. I mean, he's yes. just, I mean, I, I get that he can do some things as a running back. I mean, people like to make like the Darren Sproles comparison. But I mean, Matt Nagy's coming from a place where, I mean, Tyreek Hill does his does his most damage as a receiver. Yeah, no, I think that we're totally going to see that. And another benefit of that is that that gives you more opportunities to have him and Jordan Howard out there. Keep the defense honest with Jordan Howard in the backfield and Tariq Cohen, you know, uh, going wide. And I think all of a sudden that just makes the defense have to consider one more option. Um, so I think you're going to see more of that. I, I think that the great thing about Tariq Cohen, which, you know, when he, when they drafted him, I thought, well, that's cool. And I like the idea of having this sort of, you know, thunder and lightning mix with him and Jordan Howard. And there's not a lot of those in the NFL. Uh, I did question the ability of it, how effective it could be. 
Um, even with Tariq Cohen occasionally showing flashes last year, but now that you see how good of a receiver he is um, and that it's being utilized more, yeah, I, I think that's going to be, I wouldn't say integral to the offense, but it is one more wrinkle that you can throw in. And I think that Trubisky feels comfortable throwing to him. And for a still relatively young NFL quarterback, I think it's important to give him as many guys that he actually um, feels comfortable with, feels some sort of rapport out there on the field. And Tariq Cohen, I think, uh, if you look back to last year and some of the earliest earliest Trubisky starts, uh, was a factor pretty much right away. So that, 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 I think, will continue. I'll ask one more question, then I'll let Zach take over because I know he's got some questions too. Uh, as a Bears fan, how do you see uh, Miami as a matchup, and how do you see this game shaking out? It, it's the NFL, so there's always that sort of uh, reluctance to just go straight out and pick a, a win. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't care who it is. I don't care where the game's at. When you see Buffalo go to Minnesota and take a 27-7 lead, uh, then anything's fair game. I think the timing is actually pretty beneficial for the Bears. The bye week was going to help no matter what. And, you know, on one hand, you could say that Miami coming off two losses, well, I mean, they're better. I I don't think they're a bad team. So let's just say they're mediocre even. Let's say they're an eight-win team. For them to lose three in a row, that seems like a bit of a stretch. But I also think that this plays into the Bears' defense's hands. And I know you guys are going to hit on Tannehill a little bit more, and I'm kind of talking from afar, but uh, Ryan Tannehill is not an option that necessarily scares me when I consider the Bears' defense, their ability to get after the quarterback. And a lot of that, actually, if you look back to the first two weeks of the year, listen, Aaron Rodgers did his thing. He's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen, and I know I'm biased because I see him kick the Bears' ass twice a year. But um, Russell Wilson, another, we could maybe argue, top five quarterback in the league, and they made him look pedestrian. So I'm thinking well, after that, well, uh, yeah. And then I think after that, okay, Sam Bradford, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Tannehill. In other words, it's like a, a little league player putting a donut on a bat, swinging it, taking the donut off, and all of a sudden the bat feels that much lighter. So you face Aaron Rodgers. You face Russell Wilson. And then Sam Bradford, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Ryan Tannehill. And not to compare Tannehill to Bradford. That's simply not fair to Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> no, but, that's, that's um, fair. But, and then Tom Brady the following week. Uh, so there's, I guess, the old narrative I occasionally like. the You're looking ahead to your next opponent. Bears aren't going to do that. Uh, th- this is a game, I think, after a bye week especially. Uh, they don't need to win with style points. I don't expect that they will. Uh, and we were talking on the show today that this this has all the makings of a 17 to don't tell me how the Dolphins get 12 points, but let's just call it 12. A 17 to 12, completely ugly early Sunday afternoon game that is totally forgettable in the grand scheme of those 16 games. Um, that's what I think Bears fans would take because at this point, it really would set up a huge, huge home game, four and one with New England coming into town and the ability to maybe announce to the league that you are legit, that you are a contender for, uh, well, at least the NFC championship, and then maybe um, maybe more. But for now, Miami does present some challenges, and I don't think it's going to be pretty if the Bears do win, and uh, it's certainly not going to be the Tampa Bay game. I don't think the Bears have beaten the Patriots in 18 years. So, I mean, that's something where yeah. I mean, you get them at home. It's funny because this week you're Miami's worst enemy, and then you're going to become their best friend pretty quick there. So, mm-hmm. um I think the uh, the one thing that worries me about this game before I, I get Zach is um, Ryan Tannehill has smaller hands. I mean, like people always make the jokes about it. Zach met him in person. He knows. 
um, that you shook hands yeah. with him. He has smaller hands. And Khalil yeah. Mack is making a, a living out of not just sacking the quarterback, but just outright just looking for the strip. I mean, you saw him. I mean, he took Deshaun Kaiser's lunch money uh, in on opening <laughs> night. You know, yeah, and he yeah. does it. Does it everyone? Russell Wilson is a tough guy to take the ball from. I mean, Russell Wilson has. I mean, that's why Seattle drafted him because he has enormous mitts. You know, but I mean, this is something. <laughs> this is something Khalil Mack does. He just he just gets to the football. He disrupts. He causes problems. So I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, we are. You know, our starting center is on IR. You know, we lost Josh Sitton mm-hmm. for the year pretty quick. You know, Laramie Tunsil yeah. I think has a concussion. Nobody seems to know what what's going on there. That is not a recipe for success against uh, against a, a very hungry pack of dogs in this this Bears front. So Zach, you can you can uh, go ahead and, and uh, get you involved because I feel bad I've been blabbing so much. No, no, that, but, that's um, cool. I mean, you do your thing. I, I feel like we know less about Tunsil's concussion this week than when you were at the draft trying to track him down. Yeah, I'm I'm always gonna have that that weird opinion of him just how that night went down. <laughs> um. I mean, it was, it was, yeah. So, so my big question, um, is now with what Jakeem Grant has kind of showed in special teams, um, are, are teams taking that into consideration? Cause it's been kind of a spark point for the dolphins, you know, in the first few weeks here. Um, is that something that the bears are worried about? Is it something that they've shown any openings hmm. on special teams? Special teams have been a non-factor, and for me, that's okay. Uh, in other words, their kicker is okay. Our, uh, our former kicker, <laughs> yeah, Cody Parker. Yeah, he, he, he's he's fine. You know, he's uh, he's no Robbie Gold, which uh, Bears fans love to talk about. Robbie Gold and Kevin Butler from uh, days of yore. But regardless, uh, you know, the coverage game has been fine. And really, if you think about how. Uh, that's what makes the Dolphins' recent success. I mean, it's been so long since we've seen return games matter. I mean, you can count on one hand. I mean, and, and to be honest, I wouldn't probably be able to give you more than one or two in the NFL that you think of as returners. And that's a bit of a shame, especially coming from the Devin Hester train of, wow, I mean, that can be that can totally change a game. I am not personally concerned with the Bears' ability to do what they need to do. And I think the fact that now they have some tape on it and maybe even consider depending on where they might be punting the ball from directionally punting, getting just making it a non-factor because the thing that concerns me as a bears fan and thinking about how they could lose this game, which they could lose this game regardless. It's a road game in the NFL against a pretty decent dolphins team, despite what's happened last two weeks. But uh, the real script that could be written that would find the bears at three and two instead of four and one would be a special teams touchdown. It would be Trubisky throwing a pick six or getting a strip sack himself and then the Dolphins getting a quick touchdown. It's those kinds of mistakes that would give the Dolphins an opportunity opportunity to win without necessarily having to play their best game. So uh, it's not something I think that um, certainly Bears fans are going to be going in that game thinking, oh boy, because we just haven't seen anything from the coverage so far to think that uh, they're lacking in that department, but that's also kind of a symptom of where the NFL is at now, just that returns have been basically negated apart from a few exceptions. I have a great Kevin Butler story. Um, actually, it's not that great, but um, I went to Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Butler kicking camp uh, when I was 12 mm, years old. Wow. 
So it would have been, uh, Ju- it was right after I got out of uh, sixth grade. So it was June in 1996. And it was at, uh, hmm. I mean, I, I don't know how often you were up here, but I think it was at North Central College, which is in Naperville, which is a okay. couple of towns over from hmm. where I live. So it was uh, like a three day camp. I went there. Kevin, you know, Kevin Butler had a bunch of like his coaches there and everything. And um, I mean, he would uh, show up every so often and whatnot. So um, the second full day that night, he, like he hung out, but um, most of the ki- the guys who were there who were old enough to go out. I mean, I'm there and I'm 12, so um, <laughs> everyone goes out. And Kevin Butler, like they got a ton of pizza from some local place, and, oh, wow. and Kevin and they bring all this pizza in, and uh, it was Bulls Sonics uh, game five. I don't know if you remember. Oh uh, wow, Chicago, nice, nice. Yeah, Chicago took the three game lead, and then they blew the next two games. Uh, and so that game five, which I mean, the Bulls ended up losing. Kevin Butler was like, yeah, I'm just going to hang out if you want to watch this game with me. So I just sat there watching the Bulls game while uh, he sat there and he just drank. Uh, he drank beer and uh, I sat there and I ate pizza and uh, I nice. sat. I, I watched the Bulls game Kevin with Kevin Butler. Butler. Yeah. And I got I actually won a medal at that uh, that thing the next day. I mean, you know, my brother, I mean, he uh, he and my mom came yeah. out the next day because they had like competitions and everything. Wow. So um, I actually won. That's pretty sick. I, now. Now you just real quick you mentioned the Bulls Sonics ninety six right yeah the Bulls won that in six yes yeah okay okay I, so was it game five you said you were watching yeah we watched game five and they lost okay gotcha okay lost game five but won game six to close it out yeah I mean, that was the one when Jordan won it on Father's Day on Father's Day that's right yep you know his first title since uh since his dad was killed three days or three years excuse me prior. Um, Bulls always one and six, except for the first one. So yeah, one and five. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I always tell people that story when they bring up Kevin Butler. It's like, and he was a cool dude. Like he was so nice. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, and they actually, say, you know, never, never meet your heroes because you're being, uh, bound to be disappointed, but you, you met one of yours and you weren't. Well, Zach just mentioned the Laramie Tunsil thing. <laughs> never meet your heroes. So, um, I don't know how familiar you are with this story. I think our listeners know. Uh, so I went and covered the 2016 draft. Okay. And um, I mean, it's in Chicago. I mean, it's just like a, a rainy, um, it's a rainy Thursday. I mean, it's gross. I remember getting on the train to go to the city and it was just filled to the brim with Cleveland Browns fans. And I was like, where are these people mm-hmm. coming from? Like, what are you doing here? So I go and I'm thinking, I mean, I got like the press pass and everything. And I mean, I got there early because I didn't realize that. I mean, it's uh it's assigned seating. I thought it was like first come first serve. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I ended up getting there at like one, one o'clock for like the draft and just like pretty much like loitering for the next five hours. But, um, so I get there, um, waited out. I remember thinking that, I mean, if I'm, if I'm fortunate, the dolphins will draft some guy who's not there. So I can just like sit there and cover like the, the broadcast part of it. you know, when they talk to him or whatever, and then um, I was sitting there, and right as um, the draft's about to start, and people don't realize like, when you're at the draft, I don't know if you've ever been to one, um, when you're no, there, there are, there are no TVs that are up, so you don't really know what's going on. It's not like there's a ticker up in that place that tells you like everything yeah, that's happening yeah. to the minute. So I'm sitting there, and it's probably like two minutes before the start of the, the draft. They got the countdown going and everything, and the only other guy that SB Nation sent there was this kid from Detroit. He's coming in the Lions. He, I think he does their, their Pride of Detroit page. And um, he's got his laptop open. I look over and it's the, the bong video. I mean, like, there, but I see a guy wearing like this, this bong mask, like this, um, 
it looks like that contraption that Dennis Hopper wears in blue velvet. (laughs) That thing. So I I look over and I, and I just see somebody wearing it. I don't know who's wearing it. And then like, cause I'm watching this video and just not having any clue what's going on. And then the mask comes off and I see it's Laramie Tunsil. And I was just like, what are you watching? And he's like, Oh, this is a Laramie Tunsil video. And I was like, how old is this? And he was like, it just came out like 30 seconds ago. And I was like, what? Oh my God. So, I mean, at the time I remember thinking, cause I was convinced that he was going to go to San Diego at, I mean, at the time it was the chargers with the third pick. Cause I mean, everyone knew that it was going to be quarterback one and two cause he had the trade-ups. So hmm. he doesn't go. It's Joey Bosa. And then people thought, well, maybe it could be Detroit or excuse me, Dallas. I mean, they took Ezekiel Elliott. He had that horrible, you know, the midriff thing where people are just like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So yeah Jalen exactly. Ramsey goes and you start thinking like and then teams started trading up. I mean, I remember Tennessee traded up with Cleveland, who had already traded back. And I remember thinking like, well, this is going to be lit for Laramie Tunsil. And instead they took like Jack Conklin and then the Bears trade mm-hmm. up. And I thought like, well, this is going to be for Laramie Tunsil and the Bears take Leonard Floyd. You know, so he had all these things. And then right around that Bucks pick when they took Vernon Hargraves, I was like, oh, crap, the Dolphins are going to take this guy and it's going to be a media circus. I am never going to get out of here. And I mean, that's not even I'm not even thinking like a fan at that point, which I guess is kind of cool that like your professional instinct takes over. and You're just like, oh, man, like I just have like the worst night ahead of me. So, yeah. so um, lo and behold, I remember sitting there and thinking like there's a lot of guys that Miami could take. And then the, the guy next to me, I think his name is Alex. I think I follow him on Twitter. I should know that Alex starts laughing and I look over him. I'm like, and cause he saw like people were tipping picks on Twitter and I was like, they took Tunsil, didn't they? And like, he was like, you'll see. And I'm like, well, that answers it for me. So they yeah, take, yeah. they take Tunsil. And then I wait for the, cause I mean, they, they get it set it up, set up at the draft. where about 15, 20 minutes later. They go ahead and they do the, the sort of like draft presser. Nope. For Larry and Tunsil, they had that thing ready in eight minutes. Like, wow, here, here we go with everything that's gone down. So I am running through like the hallway of this place. I'm, I remember um, Nashville and it was like some local like Nashville station was interviewing Jack Conklin and I had to slide. Mm-hmm. I like did a running slide underneath like their cords and everything. So I wouldn't like get in their <laughs> shot. I remember thinking, yeah. I, was just, I was just like, oh, there's Jack Conklin. I was a huge fan of that guy in Michigan State, but I don't have time to talk to you. I'm running by I uh, Taylor Decker, who had just been drafted a few picks prior is uh, is out. Um, and I'm just flying through the hallways and I get into the presser and I remember like trying to get a question in, which is all, I mean, I'm sure you've been a part of that where you're trying to like all, you have all these people just yelling these questions every time they get free. And it just, it feels like kind of like a, a zoo almost, but I managed to get a question in, yeah. which made me feel good. Cause I was the only person not asking about him, uh, taking Ole Miss money at that point. And then I remember, and, and I remember thinking like, well, this is pretty cool. I got my question in, like I can just go home. And then he admits to taking the money at Ole Miss. And I was like, I am going to live here for the rest mm. of my life. And I, but it was, <laughs> I, but the other end of it is when he said that I've never felt a room do that. And I remember like, I remember like there was just like this kind of like, like, uh, this hush filled with like a lot of like hesitation trepidation all this stuff i remember like finally the guy behind me is just like did he seriously just admit that and i remember thinking like yeah this is on this is this is your <laughs> this is your first round draft pick so that was that was that but anyway, my god i i ended up having to stick around all night and i finally got a hold of him and i was like look i don't really want to talk about you i told him straight out i was like i don't really want to talk about hugh freeze i don't want to talk about the run rebels i'm not care- 
I don't care about that. I'm just here on the Dolphins. Uh, I cover the Dolphins at the time. I have a show. I just want to talk about football related things. And he's like, he he looked at me and then the lady who came out and like cut off his presser, which I guess was like his agent's like secretary. Uh, I remember yeah. he like looked at me and he looked at her and she just like gave him like the no go sign, like the got to cut it. And he looked at me. He's like, nah, bro. And I was just like, damn it. I spent so much time here <laughs> and I'm going to come away empty handed. Oh, God. So, yeah, that's my. So every time Jeremy I look at that Tunsil. guy, I'm never going to be able to really think of him as like a fan or just think like, yeah, it's so awesome. Yeah, right, right. That guy's your left tackle. It's like, no, you just you put me through hell that night. Yeah, yeah. I get that. You you associate it with basically what seven eight hours of how long would that have been? It was it was a long day because I ended up I I left there right as Paxton Lynch was getting drafted, and I remember okay. I remember walking out the front door and you could hear from I mean like it's a loudspeaker and everything and you heard Goodell announce that Denver took Paxton Lynch and I just remember thinking like that's an awful pick and then just like walking right. out walking out the front door. So that was when. It, so I mean, yeah, that was uh, that, the majority of the draft, which is what typically about three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. So yeah, long day. <laughs> okay, well that's that's a long night. My God. I mean, the, I mean, I'd been for, imagine if I had been there for the Bears and just drafting Leonard Floyd, who was at home anyway. That would have been easy. Right. right exactly. So. Yeah, and then you go home and uh, maybe you get some beer and pizza with uh, Kevin Butler. Oh man, I'll I'll yeah, I still have the medal, and I brought it out. My wife was like, I don't care. Like that's stupid. <laughs> I am so pleased I have it like tucked away and everything. I'm like, hey, look at my medal, and it says like Kevin Butler kicking camp 1996. She's like, you should probably throw that away. And I was like, how dare you? That's terrible. <laughs> Zach, is there anything else you want to um, add? How how much college football do you watch? Like, do do you watch NIU? Since we're talking about Chicago area. No, no, I haven't really caught up, uh, stayed up with them. I mean, watching Illinois and. Lovey and the guys with the big game against. I was Purdue. gonna. I was gonna. Uh, three and two. I was gonna throw Jessica a uh, a Sutton Smith yeah. question out there, but maybe that's for a, a later conversation and date since he's 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 a little bit of an oddball, but I like him. He's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's weird because you know NIU is quietly still kind of doing their thing, not to the level of you know four or five years ago when I think they played Florida State in that one. Um, when it was still maybe a BCS, I think this might have been pre-playoff. Yeah, it was but, pre-playoff. Uh, but yeah, they were doing their thing. Yeah, that's right. So they're still doing their thing. That game was horribly <laughs> officiated. We were just—I somebody brought this yeah, game. It up was a mess. Other, I remember that. Somebody just brought this up the other day. They were like, "Do you hate Florida State?" I was like, "What? Yes, I do." And they're like, "Because of that Orange Bowl." And I was like, "Well, no." Even though I mean that game was a total sham in terms of the officiating but people tend to forget that for i think for a while there northern illinois was within a touchdown but i mean like it was close they were obviously overmatched but i mean like those were the i mean for the most part those were the glory days of um northern i mean northern's first uh quality year in a long time was my first year there i'm not saying i was responsible for it obviously but it was 2003 and i remember on opening night on thursday night uh, like maryland came into town Maryland was ranked 14th and Northern beat them. So and I mean, that was kind of like a dream season. And I think they ended up losing to Bowling yeah. Green. They, they always lose to a team like Toledo or Bowling Green after like they're close to running the table. So, but I mean, like they're still producing. Like, I mean, you think some of the, t- like Kenny Golladay, mm-hmm. look at that guy. That guy's an absolute monster right now. He just, that stiff arm he put on, haha, Clinton Dix in that game was just absolutely like ruthless. 
So no, they're still doing their thing. Northwestern, you know, will randomly beat a good Michigan State team, even though Northwestern's not even good this year. But they'll go seven and five. It's it's maddening. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, Illinois. If that qualifies as college football, that's debatable. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, a big opportunity for them to go four and two. Yankees not looking so hot right now, so I kind of need my football to sort of fill that void in October. Bears seem to be answering the call. Um, Illinois football, the expectations are so low that if they go five and seven, then we're talking actual progress, and I think people get excited about that. I do appreciate you. I mean, for people who are listening, Carpenter's a huge Yankees fan. I mean, I respect you so much because I hate the Yankees, but I respect you so much. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I feel bad for them when it hurts you. Um, oh, well, I got to be honest. The game last night, it was nice because they went down eight, nothing when Better Call Saul started. So I was able to flip to that. That's a great Finish that one out. And uh, depending on how this game progresses, I, I will have no problem going back to Netflix and kind of uh, cleansing my mind from uh, baseball, which is a blast. But at the same time, there's no sport that is more taxing as far as energy, mental energy, how much time you spend. If your team happens to make the playoffs, how late you are, how late you're up at night watching these four hour marathons. So, you know, I, I sound like I'm probably trying to rationalize if they lose. Oh, my October is going to be open. No, I would much rather be sleepy and exhausted the next day because the Yankees continue into, you know, late October. And postseason baseball is probably my favorite thing on the planet. I love it. Um, oh, it's amazing. It is. And th- even though this round has been just sort of, you know. I mean, well, well, every series, I mean, the Dodgers-Braves was four. I know that, but it was tech, it felt like a sweep, right? So this is the only one that has any intrigue left, and we'll see if that continues or not or not. But. I'm so sick of the Dodgers, too. I, I don't know. I feel like they're probably running into a buzzsaw in Milwaukee, but I have also learned um, that the Brewers are more than capable of letting that go at any time. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, especially, I mean, although I will say that they're um, – their bullpen got roughed up a little bit in that first Colorado game. And then, I mean, they just mm-hmm. just went right to the Rockies throat after that. So, I mean, that is the mark of a team that's going to do damage. I mean, I mean, you that's sink or swim. Yes. And most a lot of teams that are pretenders will back off when that kind of thing happens. You hate to say it, but think about mm-hmm. like the Cubs so many times where, I mean, they've just put, been punched in the mouth. And I mean, like they just go away. Yeah, so, you're right. I have one yeah, more question. Something to consider because they they could have lost that. They could have lost game one. They didn't, and after that, they just kind of flew right through the games two and three. So we'll see. I we'll see. Cut- I mean, yeah, it's 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 rare that I would look towards football as a possible refuge in October. The last five years have not been pretty for the Bears, so they are offering this weird kind of excitement where I think a lot of Bears fans are trying to temper their expectations but the fact is that you know best case scenario best case scenario this is a very dangerous team yeah well i mean and not only that but it didn't come out of nowhere i mean like this is a new coaching staff i mean you have a lot of youth i mean you have anthony miller who i think is going to become a pretty exciting receiver before it's over Mm -hmm. um i mean you mentioned trey burton they haven't even begun to really uh, use that guy's talents um, I will go ahead and right. uh, fold this this up. I do have one more question for you since we're talking about Illini football. What in the hell is Lovey Smith sure. doing with that beard? <laughs> Not a fan. Oh, my God. I mean, I, you know, it's, I, uh, I guess. It's I, I personally no like. 
You know, I like it. I, you know, it's uh, maybe a bit of branding. I mean, it's uh, very striking. <laughs> he wears it well. Uh, it's very white. And, you know, it's amazing. Lovey does not look a day older from when he was coaching the Bears, except for the beard. That's the only difference. So it's, it's been any time that a, a sports writer in Illinois, Chicago area or downstate needs filler, Lovey beard story. It is bound to show up. It has showed up many times. Um, I think people are just kind of used to it now. And, you know, if they go, like I said, they go five and seven or something. I mean, God forbid, six and six. I mean, bull eligible would be out of this world for where this program has been. Uh, yeah, people will take whatever facial hair he wants. You could go Fu Manchu mustache and I'd, I'd be fine with it as long as they win games. But I think it looks striking. I like it. He looks like Gandalf. But, I mean, you're right. It is signature. <laughs> so, Zach, are you good? Is there anything else you want no, to ask? No, cool. About the That's game? awesome. Thank you. All right. Yeah, this is. Yeah, um, no, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, this conversation went on all sorts of directions, but that's good. I like that's the advantage to not scripting things. So uh, this has been I Hate the Fins, uh, number two with uh, the Finsider and SB Nation on that network. This is a uh, Michael Carpenter. You can catch him on. A, I mean, you can say you're on the Tay and Carp show ESPN CU. I mean, is there any sort of like, what time is your show? I mean, do you, anything you can uh, where? Yeah, where sure. can they find you? Uh, it is on ESPNCU.com, and uh, it is from 4 to 6 p.m. Central. So that'd be, I guess, 5 to 7 Eastern. And we are also available on the TuneIn Radio app. We have the WSJK app, which you can download and just stream anytime that we're on there. And we have all our podcasts available on iTunes. So Tay and Carp, ESPNCU, which is up here in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. All right. Uh, for Zach and our our uh, guest uh, tonight, Mike Carpenter, uh, thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Uh, we'll talk about this game. We'll talk about uh, what the Dolphins have going on uh, in the next couple of weeks. All right, so have a great night. Thanks. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.